Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and even listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Greta Korins. Greta received an MFA at the prestigious St. Lucas Architectural Institute, a division of the St. Imelda in Brussels, Belgium. Greta became a sought-after fashion designer in New York City while painting portraits, following her love for character profiles of people. She broadened her artistic perspective at the Antwerp Art Academy in Belgium, and a beloved teacher guided her towards painting still lives in oils and watercolor. This led her to recognize the nurturing and elevating influence of Baroque Dutch Golden Age flower paintings during her boarding school years, and an intimate discovery of the effects of the elegance of flowers on her psyche unraveled in her paintings. Well, good morning, Greta, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Mike. Well, we're happy to have you on the show today, Greta, and let's start off this morning by having you tell the audience just a little bit more about yourself. Thank you. Gladly. Well, first of all, uh, I believe that our listeners today will recognize one theme in my story that may resonate deeply with them. How at once I was engaged in the arts and in fact obstructed from being an artist. In my case, I held back from real art when practicing design. Like our listeners, it took a lifetime to get to the bottom of this. My fellow artists, tell me right now that having been a designer in New York City in fashion still impacts my work now for the good and the bad. That is due to <laughs> yes, that is due to the designer ethic that I acquired studying to become an architectural interior designer in Brussels. You see, design is a meticulous and purposeful profession that requires sharp thought, thought, I mean, I have some problems with the TH, and clear, innovative, three-dimensional vision and the ability to render it for practical purposes, you know, for monetary pursuits. 
Indeed. You know, I apply these rules in my life as an artist. Therefore, in order to answer your question, uh, to tell me, uh, to tell you about myself, I should answer the question, how does one change from being a designer to becoming an artist? So throughout my youth, I was preparing to be an artist in the broad sense, not uh, a specialized one. However, my formation happened in hiding. Uh, It was a second nature that I actually wasn't even aware of. In fact, it has been a matter of coming out as an artist. It was obvious, you know, that I had a different disposition from other boarding school girls. I was not practical at all, you know, and not matter of fact or shopping bound. And I heard that all the time from them. I cultivated friendships carefully and I loved art and beauty. I predicted things such such as, believe it or not, wireless telephones uh, in the 1960s, and I was laughed at. So you understand, I had to hide. I had to hide my creativity. Uh, When I got um, uh, the decision-making power, uh, that is uh, at the end of my humanities studies, I opted for professions that was the profession that was second and the nearest best thing to art, which is design. That is how my art uh, education came to be uh, and was allowed to be. I received my master's degree as an architectural interior designer, as you already mentioned. And, uh, but when I came to New York City, I switched to fashion design. Um, I had no idea about uh, inches and so on. So this this was a real big problem. And fashion design seemed at least more easygoing. So um, mm-hmm. both are, in fact, very highly stylized and disciplined forms of art expression. Mm-hmm. Um, in private, though, I steadily kept up a practicing live drawing and painting, which... Uh, live draw- drawing expe- especially is at the base of of art. You have to be constantly trained in training yourself in that in order at least you know in my kind of art form i attend I attended classes even at the Royal Academy of Art in Antwerp, classes at the new school in New York City. And I took master classes from well-known painters in the New York area where I live, such as Richard Miller, uh, David Fox, and portrait artist Daniel Green. They are very well-known artists. So um, I enjoyed my creative and intense fashion design profession, you know. Uh, but it, uh, I had the sole responsibility over six collections a year and putting factories uh, to work all over the world. Uh, I realized that designing is as is a great business responsibility, while the profession took a turn towards design anonymity, which is in fact degrading the art aspect in favor of business aspects, um, mm-hmm. which in fact 
presently has reached even the couture section, even in Paris. But this happened a lot earlier for me uh, because I was not on the couture level. So as a result, I thought often of my peers at school who had asked me to join their ranks in the fine arts division of architectural school because they said, you are an artist, not a designer. Well, that came as a big worrisome uh, statement. Uh, I, but I remembered that all the time as I was working as a designer, and I realized that if uniformity in fashion became the going trend, I would no longer find any more creative outlet there. So gradually I gave up design to free myself to become absorbed in the creative process. In, in other aspects in, in, um, in art. Uh, I approached the botanic collection with the accuracy of a designer uh, in order to do justice to nature's art. In the way of botanic old master uh, Pierre-Joseph Redouté, who, uh, lived, who, who was born in 1759 and died in 1840. He was actually the botanical painter at the court of Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. Mm -hmm. uh, my paintings are portraits of flowers in the same way as I also draw and paint people's portraits. Because to me, uh, what fascinates me are portraits. And I do it with the same precise rendering to be true to the subject matter and not uh, as a reflection of myself, as um, many other artists do. That exactitude is what botanic, botanical art and fine art portraiture and design have in common. That is the common ground that uh, brings actually my whole life together as well, you understand? Uh, so mm -hmm. go, thank you, <laughs> going to the heart of the matter, detailed with but without embellishment or extra ornamentation, though still creatively interpreting within the parameters. Uh, that, in other words, that um, my botanical paintings have a twist, which uh, do not make it fit into uh, the botanic art category, but are more expression of art. Well, Greta, we were very excited when we saw your art in the competition. Uh, your art is very extraordinary, and it is, is is quite different, and yet so very detailed. Tell the audience where you get the inspiration to do your art, and then if you would, kind of walk them through the process you go through in creating your art. First of all, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you know your evaluation there, um, especially that your wife is also an artist. So that, I, I like that very much. Um, what inspires me to create art? Um, well, my creative process is one of a constant and deep longing to paint when observing nature, when traveling, when seeing people, I am constantly, inside of myself, I am constantly painting them. 
I think many artists, especially figurative artists, um, do that. So, um, I, and uh, I am totally immersed in the in the process of flow. They call that flow. Uh, when you don't even hear a question from people asking you something, you know, it's, you're so absorbed. It's, um, it's, it's like the professor, the proverbial uh, professor who, who, you understand, who doesn't see anything else except his development. So, um, also, other artists, great art from other artists, generate new ideas that I transform and elaborate on. Uh, I also like to draw in the company of people. People stimulate me. Even if they watch the process of, let's say, painting a portrait, I am not at all shy or reluctant. You know, uh, It's, in other words, not an inspiration, but a prompting you know, to to create art that inspires me. It's like um, an enlightenment. Suddenly I know how I want to paint that, that person or that flower or what angle, what colors. And I, I don't know at all the source of this. It surprises me. Uh, what for me counts is to be fully immersed from the start, looking seeing, you know, the inner eye, making the inner eye become awake. It, it, it is awake. Lingria, are you currently still involved in the fashion industry or are you a full-time artist now? I am a full-time artist now. I am not anymore. I left it behind. It, You know, my teacher once said that, uh, you know, you're, you have been a designer, you've made a career as a uh, fashion designer, but at what cost? Yeah. Which, to me, was an eye-opener. You know, it was a very important statement from from an artist who had been in, in art his whole life. And uh, what does that mean, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. What does that mean to at what cost? Uh, mm-hmm. That means... Actually, and I think here again, many many listeners might be able to identify with that as well. You have to you you have to have a life of duty of making money, of surviving. Even you have to dedicate and devote yourself to other things in your life, and. Uh, so you break away from your essence because, as I explained in the beginning, this um, thinking about art, you know, not only as as an escape but as a vital part of your being is so important to someone who is really an artist, who is not a practical person, who is not, you know, a surgeon or... Or, or an accountant, uh, someone who is an artist in one's being uh, must um, express oneself and fully, not just in for a practical purpose. 
I think that's the essence of an artist and, in fact, of modern art as well. Well, no, I think uh, you're so correct. I think a lot of artists, that's always the the biggest hurdle for a lot of artists uh, making the leap, if you if you will, that that they can make a living at art. It is always the, can I make, you know, that's their big question. Can I make a living at art? And, you know, they have another profession and that's paying the bills, but that's a big, that's a big leap or a big jump for a lot of people is say, uh, I'm, I'm going to just commit to doing art full time. And, but if it's consuming your life, that's probably the thing you should do. Exactly. But, uh, are people who have to do that aware of uh, that they are really consumed by the thought of art? Are they aware of it? You know, I've gone a whole life doing being away from it, and but but no, I I practiced all the time, as I said in the beginning. But people, I was still involved in some form of you know profession. But other people may not be, and then once they get to retirement, you know, that is a trend right now, uh, that most uh, retirees uh, go into art. They want to express themselves in the arts. Right. Yeah. So important. It's so important. Yeah. Mm Well, you say that's very true, I know, and just looking at the entrance uh, to our art competitions, a uh, great many are retirees, and this is this is probably a passion that they've had all of their lives, but now in, they're at a stage in their life where they can devote their time, you know, to their passion, but I think you hit on it earlier when you said, but at what cost? Yes, at what cost? That's (laughs) what it's all about. Yes, you see, I have had, um, let me backtrack. It's very important to practice every day as an artist. So the earlier you start with it, the more you integrate with um, this, whole process it's an inner process but also one of ability and uh, the earlier you start the better you you can express yourself you see and the more you would be able to make uh, a, a life with your art you have to be discriminative with yourself even if you start at a later point in your life, discriminative, what is good? And you have to start throwing out. I mean, I did that all the time. Throw out what is not good, even at your level of development. And you have to go back to it and throw out, throw out. Uh, not everything one makes is precious. Uh, so that one has to be very demanding on oneself so that one can grow and also learn from other artists and be let oneself be inspired by other artists who can grow in one's expression of the art that one one does. 
Well, no, that is so true. Um, I think all artists need to associate with other artists, belong to other art groups. Um, it's Art is a talent, and just like any other talent, it's one that to become great, you have to practice. And then you also have to be around other artists for camaraderie, but also to learn, to to learn different techniques or... Or, or see or get different ideas from associating with other artists. Yes, I also think it's very important to have the ability to stand in awe of great artists, to admire other artists. Without it's sine qua non, without it, um, and only concentrating on one's own art is just mm. keeping oneself on a level that is, you know, that that's not good enough. After a while, mm-hmm. one sees it's not good enough. And the only way to learn is through the work of other artists. Uh, one one has to breathe art, surround oneself with, with paintings. Yes, but not, and not only our art, our visual art, but every form of art. You know that's true. To to grow, you you've got to keep experimenting and learning, and and I'm sure a day doesn't go by that you're not doing something to improve your artistic style. Right. Practice, 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 and look <laughs> around. <laughs> well, Greta, when you uh, once you start painting. Uh, do you, how long does it take you to complete uh, one of your pieces of art? Well, it depends what it is. There are fast sketches, but uh, the ones that we are in this case going to talk about is um, mm-hmm. I do a bud of an iris. It it is um, very detailed, and I. It's in watercolor, and I take about a day to do just one bud, one flower bud. Um, So depending on how big and detailed the painting is, it can take me many, many days. I don't say a month, but um, that would really be a very big painting. But uh, a week, week and a half, for a very complex painting, yes. So is watercolor your uh, only, and drawing, are those the only two mediums you use, or do you also use acrylics or oil paintings at times? Yes, I use acrylics and oils. Uh, I favor oils, of course. Uh, Well, I like every medium. I also use uh, the computer to do digital art. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I I love every form of um, every medium it has its usage, uh, but uh, mainly in this work, um, I use watercolors. I loved watercolors from the moment that I studied it in architectural school, and so also when one is starts to be good at something one loves it so 
<laughs> it's become one of my main expressions. But also, I love mm-hmm. drawing very, very much. Graphite and charcoal. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Well, you, you do a lot of uh, a lot of art in different mediums. That's always a, a good thing as well, Greta. Yes. Well, Greta, we're about halfway through the show, and so this is a good time, I think, to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the three pieces of art that you had entered into the most recent competition, and we'll start off with the the winning piece when we come back. I'd be glad to. And I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Greta Corrin's artwork by going to Contemporary Art Gallery online. Click on the Search Gallery tab and then the Artist tab and then just look up Greta Corrin's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner tab and follow the prompts to complete the application. And if you're a designer or an architect or just a lover of great art who believes art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the most wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, or even by the individual artist. And again, to view Greta Corrin's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then follow the prompts to Greta Corrin's name. Well, Greta, let's uh, start off with uh, telling the audience about your piece entitled Iris Joan Sutherland. Gladly. Um, yes. Uh, Iris Joan Sutherland is um, the name is based on uh, an opera diva. I love opera. And um, who inspired me throughout my life. Dame Joan Sutherland was born in Australia on November the seventh, uh, nineteen twenty-six, and she died in October on October ten, two thousand and ten. She was an Australian dramatic coloratura soprano, and a singer with such power and range that she was crowned La Stupenda. Um, I I would like to explain. Uh, more about Joan, Joan's um, incredible voice, and in order to understand why I uh, paint this work, and also why I named so many of my other uh, irises that I painted uh, based on, you know, opera singers. Um, she had a virtuoso voice and she sang with astonishing and seemingly effortless technique uh, of, of um, unheard of agility. Um, she was a grand and warm and genteel and humble person. And her voice was glorious and so lush and refined. And she mostly sang with a flourish that that are like a vocal ballet, you know, and she made it seem easy. And then I saw her dressed in a diaphanous gown in a flowing pale green pastel uh, chiffon fabric. 
And I was so inspired to portray the genius of uh, this lovely complexity that um, I I spent a lot of time painting Irish John Sutherland in this mood. You understand that she inspired this mood. And this Irish, I think, reflects this lusciousness and at the same time the discipline uh, of of something that is perfect. Uh, the, the flower is just as perfect as 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 her singing singing was. And to me, they were um, how can I say? They were um, I personified the, her in this iris after she died. I did the same uh, thing in my other iris, uh, which is called Iris Luciano Pavarotti. I know he is a beloved figure uh, for his personality alone, not just for his singing. Maybe many people don't even know about his incredible singing uh, voice. But um, so... Here is an iris uh, that is uh, in soft pastels, but also has contrast, contrasting co- uh, color that are much deeper. Some of the colors on uh, iris Luciano Pazvarotti are transparent, and they flow into each other, and and other parts of the flower are very dark and deep and dark and um that is what Luciano Pavarotti was about. You know, he was lyrical and at the same time dramatic tenor. And he was a very colorful personality. And uh here I am, you know, he portrayed himself as um, bold and warm. Everybody knows that how he enticed everyone to the opera, not only with his singing, but uh, with his presentations with other singers in in the in 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 other areas like rock and roll and so on. So he was very very versatile, and that's what I wanted to portray in um, Iris Luciano Pavarotti. Let me say, Greta, that. Both of those irises, the the painting is just—it's just marvelous. It's it's so detailed, and, and it Thank just seems you. to flow. And it it almost Thanks. looks like a photograph. It's so realistic. <laughs> I just can't get over it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it may look like a photograph, but it's um, made with watercolors, which means that. One has to be, one has to be very realistic, I think, in order to be a botanical artist. But especially, but to be a good painter of flowers, one has to be realistic. One can do that in many other ways too. In, for example, uh, very flowing, uh, very you know, watercolors that are uh, washes and so on. But one, in, I personally believe that 
it has to be exact. Mm-hmm. Botanical artists have the actual flower in front of them, and mm-hmm. you know there's very little room for interpretation there. Um, <laughs> but you have to be yes, you have to be on top of your technique in order mm-hmm. to do flowers. Uh, mm-hmm. especially the kind that I make because they are also on uh, 24 by 18 inch size so they are big and mm-hmm. what I mean is one has to be on top of the one's technique is that one that is like little pools of different techniques that one has to bring together the leaf has to be a wash and the the butt has to be Exact, but without becoming wooden, without becoming stilted, it has to flow. So you and you have to know your colors theory very, very well. It has to be accessible uh, fluently, very easily uh, to do flowers because there are so many colors coming together, and in in one spot actually one little bud and yeah so so one has to practice a lot and one has to bring together many elements of the watercolor technique uh, dry brush and uh, washes you know and bleeding which is you know a technique Mm -hmm. whereby uh, very much drier flows into a wash and so on. You you have to weigh all these techniques off against one another. Well, Rose Margaret was an afterthought. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I did a collection of roses and um, I had a beautiful white watercolor paper in front of me and um, it wasn't the same size. And I said, this looks very attractive, a 16-inch by 20-inch. So, um, and I was leafing through an old book, and I saw a magnificent picture of what became Rose Margaret. Uh, And um, it's a very bright rose color magenta but much pinker than the printer ink magenta you know it's it's a, a modern color roses in this modern color are really very rare it's a modern breed of color even modern breed with modern color and uh, they are not the antique roses so it's right. very hard to paint a real red or rose and all the different shades of it. That's very rare, very hard to do because um, it's a little bit more artificial. And also mm-hmm. the darks, in, especially in watercolor, where you depend on, on your knowledge of how to make darks uh, because they are basically very, all very light, pale, transparent colors. So uh, to get the right dark and the right shading in such 
artificial sort of artificial looking color is is not easy to do so i um I did it and I played off more artificial colors against real light greens and delicate uh, pale pastel greens and so on so uh i'm I must say I'm happy with it uh, because it was challenging. And how long did it take you to complete that piece of art? Uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, much less difficult than Iris uh, Luciano Pavarotti, or uh, especially Iris John Sutherland. Uh, it was much shorter. I spent about a day on it. Well, I loved that piece too, uh, and I thought the. Thank you. And the great added detail where the you have the for the listening audience you have a big rose bloom and then there's three small or actually four small buds surrounding that bloom and I thought that was an awesome touch to the to the painting. Thank you. Well, talking about that, um, I follow the eighty twenty percent rule. Eighty percent twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially between reds and greens, that's very important. Mm-hmm. If you do not have the complementary color in uh, in in at least twenty percent of the whole page of your you know painting, uh, mm-hmm. there's something missing. The complementary color um, makes it feel complete to the viewer. This is essential in painting. Well, that is very true, and uh, your art is just beautiful, and uh, we're we're so happy to have you on Contemporary Art Gallery Online, Greta. Thank you. I am so happy to be able to talk about my work, to be able to be in touch with listeners, and I hope that they will contact me through um, your uh, website uh, that they enjoy my work uh, I appreciate very much uh, this interview Mike and uh, Cago Contemporary Art Gallery Online for taking this initiative I'm so very happy about it well we, we are happy to have you on the show today and we're certainly looking forward to seeing more of your art on the gallery Greta Thank you. I I certainly will. Yes, you can count on it. Well, I'd also like to thank our audience for being with us today. And again, to view Greta Corrin's stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course purchase some of Greta's art, visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. I want to let all of the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And while you're there, all you, you can also view all of the upcoming competitions and exhibitions. And if you're an architect or an interior designer or just a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then come visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. 
So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. An Artist Speaks airs every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we'll meet again next week. Again, thank you for being with us today and have a great rest of your weekend. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.